Welcome to If It Ain't Baroque podcast, your friendly history special. Today we explore Queen Charlotte, the wife and consort to George III. We're your hosts, Gemma. Hi. And Natalie. Welcome, or as they would say in early modern English, right trust in well-beloved, we greet you well. The first segment of the podcast is called, Who Are You? It's All Relative. She was born as Sophie Charlotte of Mecklenburg-Strelitz, and she was born on the 19th of May, a significant date in British history, by the way, uh, the death of Anne Boleyn in 1536, and the 2019 wedding of Meghan Markle and Prince Henry Charles Albert David, most commonly known as Prince Harry. So she was Ew. born in the 19th... Yes. <laughs> Ew, you told me about that Anne Boleyn, you kept that one a secret. Which bit? The, the Meghan... Yes, <laughs> yes. I don't know that. And they, they got married. They got married on the same day that Anne Boleyn uh, was beheaded. Obviously, a little bit later, but yeah. <laughs> yes, a little bit later. This is a few, oh, few centuries. Imagine. No, I can't believe they picked that day. Yep. This is um, how you know Harry doesn't know history. <laughs> well, remember how he said he was descended from Henry the Sixth. <laughs> By the way, if you would like to see the palace, you can join me on my walking tour of Georgian and Windsor Monarchs in Westminster. The link will be somewhere in the description of this episode. The couple met a few hours before the wedding and George gave Charlotte a ring with that date inscribed, which is quite romantic. They had their coronation at Westminster Abbey two weeks later and she actually wore the same gown. Hashtag reuse. Absolutely love that. I mean, we reuse gowns all the time. They used to do it before. We're going to do it again. Hashtag more than 30 wears. That's very, very sensible. They had a long and happy marriage, producing 15 children in 21 years. Of course, the state of marriage suffered significantly when George suffered his uh, bouts of ill mental health, which led to Charlotte almost being a widow when her husband was still technically alive. Uh, she was called aloof by some courtiers, which uh, could have been ascribed to her being a stranger to kind of English customs when she came uh, to the country for the first time. And that state never really fully went away given her high status so kind of if you're aloof when you come here and you become the, the first lady of the land then you don't really come down from that but it's more hearsay she died in Kew Palace en route to Windsor in 1818. During her convalescence in Kew Palace, she arranged a double wedding uh, for her two wayward sons, Edward, Duke of Kent, and William, Duke of Clarence, the future William IV. And the former union actually would go on to produce Queen Victoria. She was on her way to Windsor, but she fell ill, so she had to stay in Kew for a few months. And this is where she died in 1818. Charlotte is five times great-grandmother to King Charles III. Politics-wise, uh, she was opposed to politics in all sorts of ways. When the first bout of ill health of George's came along in 1765, there was a regency scare. His son was too young to be considered regent, so they said potentially Charlotte may have to step up, and she absolutely hated that idea. And she said, politics, which I abhor, equal to sin. And unlike her predecessors, Caroline of Ansbach and Augusta of Saxe-Gotha, she had no, uh, Charlotte had no thirst for power, only domesticity and privacy. Fame. So Charlotte wasn't really in the historical spotlight until quite recently, thanks to the Netflix series, which propelled her to superstardom many, many years past uh, after her death. Gemma and I found an article from 2009 recently, 
which basically stated that she almost was irrelevant, which we, of course, would argue today, especially with the fun fact segment. When I went to Q Palace two years ago, so Q Palace that represents Charlotte's story quite well, uh, they said that they're potentially facing closure due to a low number of visitors. But then again, I went this year and the place was booming along with the Queen Charlotte's Cottage. Thanks, Bridgerton. <laughs> Thank you, Bridgerton. Exactly. <laughs> yes. Charlotte was briefly in the kind of historic uh, pop culture spotlight when Helen Mirren played her in Madness of King George in the film of 1994. And she was even nominated for that role for the Oscar. But what queen has she not played? <laughs> what queen has Helen Mirren not played? Exactly. When you die, you need to be, you need in your bio to say you were played by Helen Mirren. <laughs> that's when you know you're that's, that, that's a must that's a must yeah. yeah I actually had this thought that Queen Charlotte was so unknown to popular history that she was not even alluded to or represented in any way shape or form that we can remember anyway in Horrible mm. Histories seasons one through five remember no it's been a long time to be fair I don't remember Sina there you go I don't think she was uh, I think they had in George's song, George the Fourth song, they had his wife, Caroline of Brunswick. You have to. <laughs> yes. Let's face it. Played by Martha, uh, Martha Ho Douglas. But I don't remember no. Queen Charlotte anywhere there at all. Not alluded to, not mentioned, nothing. Well, she that definitely is changing now. She had her own TV show on Netflix. She's fine. This part we go into the famous people and events that were happening during her lifetime, just to give her life a little bit of context and the world around her a little bit of context. So the famous people in Britain, she would have, I think she probably would have met Edward Jenner. She would have been aware of him. And MJ doesn't know, he... Is famous for the small smallpox vaccine. Um, Lord Byron, the controversial poet, who is amazing. Also, Mary Wollstonecraft. She was an early feminist thinker and also the mother to Mary Shelley, who wrote Frankenstein. Yep. Um, I think everybody will know Jane Austen. So events in Britain. We had the Industrial Revolution. The growth of cities, lots of inventions, scientific discoveries. Um, James Watt had his steam engine in 1769. And then in 1789, the guillotine is invented. Yay! <laughs> no, no. No. <laughs> no. 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 It depends what side you're on. <laughs> it, it, it depends. I mean, technically, no, because, you know, we're pro-monarchy yeah, and, yeah, so it's yeah. not. But this, so this I did not know. So before the guillotine round, the preferred way of execution was death by ox. Death yes. by ox, not death by axe. So it's ox no, factor. Ox. It's okay. the ox factor. The ox factor. They would pull you apart into four. Wild horses could kind of like pull wild me horses. away kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, okay. Yeah, that kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, obviously that was just for non-royalty if you were royal or aristocracy you got a beheading or a hanging oh lovely okay i like that and do you know the last death by guillotine do you know when that was i was blown away by this fact 20th century 1977 1977 that's when my brother was born 
Nice. <laughs> I would not have said that uh, it would have been that late. That's 46 years ago. I know it's really... 46 years ago. Yep. I don't know. I was telling... I was talking about this, right, with somebody. They were shocked and I was shocked. But then, I mean, we still have the death penalty in America, so I don't know why I'm that shocked. Movies that you would have seen around about this time, uh, all the Austin movies, obviously. Uh, Belle and... One of my favourites, The Duchess with Keira Knightley. I love that movie. <laughs> so good. And obviously, Georgiana. Georgina. Georgina. Georgiana. Georgina. 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 She was about two. So, worldwide, the people who were around was Catherine the Great, Benjamin Franklin, Marie Antoinette. And the Pen Pal. Pen Pal. Pen Pal. Pen Pal. Queen Charlotte. Yep. Yes. And also Beethoven, Mozart. So events around the world, you had the American Revolution, the French Revolution, lots of revolutions, <laughs> all the revolutions, Napoleonic War, in Japan it was the, I'm going to say this wrong, but it was the Edo period in Japan, amazing for art by the way. The, there was a great Japanese famine caused by two volcanic eruptions, an Icelandic volcano erupted between 1783 and 1784, which caused worldwide temperature drop. So 50% of Iceland's livestock died. A quarter of the people died. It literally, crops failed in Europe. There was a so drought. That's why moms don't go to Iceland. <laughs> that's why moms don't go to Iceland. And you also have the Haitian slave revolt and revolution, independence. Wouldn't Outlander be also during these years? Yes. Yeah. No. Yeah, well, the early, early years. Yeah. Yeah, early. Because during the first two seasons, it's still George II, because Culloden. By the time they get to the, after the 20 year gap, so season three, they at some I point. I would just go like to put out here that I have not actually watched Outlander that far, and Natalie's very annoyed at me for this. <laughs> You would think the Scottish person's watched it, but no. Yes, in case, uh, dear listeners, you didn't realise it, Gemma is um, Scottish from Scotland, just in case the number <laughs> of books about Scotland didn't tell you that. For the next episode, I'll put out all my Scottish books as well. <laughs> and I have the flag somewhere, somewhere hidden as well. <laughs> do you actually have a Scottish flag? I do. And do I, I, I bought it in Scotland. Yeah, <laughs> You're more Scottish than me. <laughs> in some ways, yes. yes. So movies around this time period, uh, War and Peace, The Great with the lovely Elle Fanning and the guy, I can never remember his name. Nicholas Holt. That's the one. Well, the historically accurate bits are remotely, but yeah. I think that's the only TV show that history doesn't bother me because it goes right out the window. There's no point. <laughs> it's just good though. Like it. Um, oh. Also, Last of the Mohicans, Marie Antoinette, obviously. Sleepy Hollow and mine and Natalie's favourite, A Royal Affair. Yay! And if you haven't watched A Royal Affair, you have to. It is about um, George the Third's sister, Caroline and- Matilda. Yeah. A great marriage to Christian the Seventh of Denmark and Norway, and her love affair with the lovely Dr. Strunzi, played by the ever lovely. Mickelson, uh, Gemini. He should be everything. Huge fans. Yes, he should be in everything, he and he's in everything. everything. He yes. Yeah. Harry Potter franchise. Yep. Sure. Indiana Jones. There you go. James Bond. 
fine. So he's in this film and we love it. And that's one of the many reasons why we love the film A Royal Affair. I think it was released in 2012. It was also nominated for an Oscar for Best Foreign Film, I think. But they didn't win. Oh. I know. Oh, I know what beat them, to be honest, because I, I object. I think it was a film called Amour, the French one. Oh, oh, right. Yeah, no. 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 <laughs> <laughs> we want the royal drama. We want the royal drama. Yes. <laughs> yes. 100%. So that's the lifespan of Queen Charlotte. Yep. Now we have a wee segment about our first impressions. So, Gemma, see, when did see, you first hear? This is coming out. What? A wee segment. I always say wee. I've been in Scotland for four years. <laughs> of course. So, wee segment is called First Impressions. When did you first hear of Queen Charlotte and of Georgians? And did you like them? When did you like them? Tetra. Pretty early on with Gulliver's Travels. I knew about George. Kind of knew Charlotte was the Queen. That's pretty much. I think Charlotte herself was definitely uh, Helen Mirren because she teaches you about all the queens. <laughs> um. <laughs> it's true. Elizabeth the first, Elizabeth the second, the queen in Prince of Egypt. <laughs> I wasn't. I've never really been a big fan of the Georgians until Natalie made me be a fan. <laughs> It's just, it's not my time period. It's not my time period. But I have got a newfound love for it. I have actually bought books that I didn't need to buy, Georgian style. I, I actually think the only thing I liked about the Georgians was well, Mary Shelley and, you know... So the Hilton. end. <laughs> end. <laughs> the regency. I like, the, I like the, the writers during the Georgian period. The royal history didn't. I wasn't in it. I love it now. You love it now. Good. I love it now. <laughs> well, after I made you watch horrible histories, yes. <laughs> okay. When and did you first hear about Charlotte and the Georgians? I think Charlotte was as one of several Georgian queens. I don't think that I ever paid particular attention because she wasn't sort of kind of famous enough to stand out so she was kind of the default other one always so mm. she wasn't the caroline the first caroline and she wasn't the second caroline if that makes sense yeah i know that she was pious i know that she was uh kind of almost a homemaker she wanted privacy and everything and then i associated and saw her in my head as helen mirren from the 1994 <laughs> film many, many, many years before I've seen the film, after I've seen the film, but that was to me basically Helen Mirren. Yeah, just kind of the default quiet one. I never thought kind of um, too long and too much about her until even after, after I read the book by Catherine Curzon about the, the Georgian queens and Georgian kings prior to that. And then she appeared as a very brash character on Bridgerton long yeah. before even the spin-off and you kind of go oh wait that's the grandmother of the Charlotte that died right <laughs> then kind of you start thinking okay what did happen what didn't happen you know you start comparing the facts with the books and everything so uh she came into kind of my horizon onto my sort of historical horizon uh 
almost at the same time, yeah, because it was just Helen Mirren before that. See, I think I think oh. I've always been interested in that period, but not English history. Because yeah. <laughs> I mean, obviously I, I I know all about the Jacobites and stuff. What happened in Scotland during that period, and I know all what happens in France during that period, but my English knowledge, no, not so much. <laughs> Enter Natalie. Enter Natalie. And Bridgerton. No, and Bridgerton, yeah. Well, it technically, I mean, yeah, we're going to probably have a separate episode about the show, but yeah. if the film of 1994, The Madness of King George, kind of introduces you to uh, yeah. Queen Charlotte and George III and their problems and their marriage and everything, and you become interested and you start reading the books about it. Although... There haven't been that many, aside from the recent kind of re- recent few. There isn't kind of a whole plethora of books about George and, and Charlotte and Georges in general. A lot, unlike it is with Tudors and oh my god, Tudors, Victorias, etc. Yeah, Tudors. every wife has a you know, fifteen thousand biographies. Or something. <laughs> no. Um, literally, <laughs> apart from Jane Seymour, she only. Has I, was, two. I was just going to say that Jane. Yeah, Jane Seymour only has two, I think. Both from the same publishing house, actually. Uh, and yeah, of course, the going back to Charlotte. So the recent Netflix show brought a lot of attention to it, which is fantastic. Now people are interested, even though the show isn't historically accurate, as it says, not a history lesson, etc. But there have been several books released already this year exploring her life further. this part of the podcast, we're going to look at all the controversies around the Queen. So Charlotte's race is the most well-known controversy. Was she actually Britain's first black queen or was she not? So some evidence for her being the first black queen is that her ancestor was a mistress to King Alfonso III of Portugal. Um, She was described as being Moorish. Uh, today, the word has racial connotations, but back in the Middle Ages, it more described somebody's religion or cultural uh, background. So those from Al-Andalus, sorry about the pronunciation, Muslim Spain and Portugal, they were described as being Moorish, even if the individual was actually Christian and Caucasian. So many historians have actually argued that this woman's race is in no way known just by that description. The portraits of Alan Ramsey are supposedly proof of her black ancestry. Charlotte was described by contemporaries as having a nose and mouth that spread across her face. Her prominent nose and mouth are seen in these portraits, supposedly. You've seen the portraits. What do you think? In short, I don't think so. In short. I don't think so either. She was also described as being very pale. When the British are calling you pale, then you're I mean you're Casper, let's yeah. face it. In fact, if you compare her skin in the portraits, if you look at the, one of the portraits, her skin is the same as the white trim on her gown. So if the tone and the shade are similar to white, I mean, she's going to be white in person if he was supposedly doing it more lifelike than other portraits. Also, you have to think that people of all races come in every shape and size and appearance and skin tones. The whole idea behind her nose and her mouth being bigger, it's a, it's a racist trope. And it's a bit weird that we're still having that conversation about people's features in this day and age when it's supposed to be a bit more forward thinking. A bit more woke, yeah. A bit more woke. A bit more woke. So another thing was Baron Stockmar's diary. So for MJ who doesn't know who that is, he was a royal physician of Charlotte's granddaughter. 
So she dies at the very beginning. Her name is Charlotte too, at the very beginning of the TV series. And her husband was Leopold, who would go on to be King Leopold of the Belgians. Leopold's position, he referred to the whole royal family as having small crooked features and other kinds of slurs that were just insinuating that he was just not a fan of them. And I don't think we can take his word as gospel because he was pretty much a hater. A little Um, biased, yeah. A little biased. A little bit biased. So a huge indicator of her being white, in my opinion, is the fact that no contemporary mentions her race. It would have been a huge topic of conversation, massive especially in a predominantly white family or even just the British royal family in general, look how much discussion has been made of Meghan Markle's race by herself, by her husband, by the public. It just, it would have been the exact same back then. In fact, I think it would be worse back then. It would be much worse at that point. Definitely. I think a lot of people think Georgian Britain is not the same today because we have social media, which is probably true to an extent, but there was still a lot of gossips, Newspapers, diaries, and my favourite, the caricatures. I love the Georgian caricatures. You would not get away with that crap today, 100%. So when George I came over from Germany, he had an extra skinny uh, mistress and a... Well-rounded, Rubenesque, if you like. Very Rubenesque lady, yeah. Yes, um, and the newspapers just went wild. They dubbed them the elephant and the maple. The poor woman who got hit with the elephant and mistress title, she was actually his half-sister. But then in Georgian Britain, no tabloids were being sued for wrongful or damaging information and nobody cared if they were offended. I'm pretty sure the newspapers would have had a field day with the first black queen. She was depicted in cartoons, but they went for her appearance just to say how ugly she was, which apparently wasn't that true. And they often showed her as being stupid and ignorant. In one cartoon, um, if you Google it, uh, this is so like Marie Antoinette and the whole cake thing. It's actually so scary how similar they are. So she's seen having tea with her daughters and saying that they should stop adding sugar and that would help save the plantations. So yeah, like Marie Antoinette, it's actually doubtful that she said anything like this in person and she rarely commented on politics in public anyway. So just another scathing cartoon. Apart from saying how she abhors politics <laughs> as a sin. So yeah. It's a sin. A sin. Just to sum up, um, not that I have the answers, but I think I think the whole controversy brings up a lot of questions. Like, does race really matter? Because most people could probably find a mixture of race in their gene uh, if they did put the trace their ancestry. Oh, yeah, I mean- absolutely. Whether or not Charlotte was or wasn't. For me, it's kind of, yeah, The what happened to Meghan Markle, because mm-hmm. I remember that one of the actors of the Bridgerton show said, uh, oh, well, if we knew this earlier about Charlotte, then Meghan wouldn't have suffered or unsuffered or whatever she went through. Because first of all, that's not true. Second, no. look what happened to Megan. So if it, if Charlotte indeed had been sort of visibly black, had features of a black person, we can imagine what it would create, the maelstrom that it would create. Yeah, 100%. For me, kind of, it's, um, there's another kind of example, because it was three, four years ago. So I think it was during lockdown. There was an ad 
of, I think, Sainsbury's or Tesco. I think it was Sainsbury's. And it featured a black family having Christmas. It was around oh, Christmas, yeah, I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And the amount of flack that this ad got from kind of the, the racist, the United Racist of Britain, if you like, mm-hmm. um, for not showing a white family, for showing a black family, saying, you know, um, that, again, the, the whole there were no black uh, people in Britain before Windrush or whatever, all that misinformation. That, to me, tells a lot about Queen Charlotte. Yeah. Because if this happened in something like 2020 or 2021, yeah, if it had been 1761, uh, mm. there there would have been things to say. Especially for me, also um, when I read about Elizabeth Dido Bell, yes, and everything she had to go through, and similar people. Of, well, of, that's it. Like, that she had to go through. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that yeah, just exactly. tells you everything you need to know. So no, totally. Sorry, if we had been discussing Queen Charlotte earlier, in you know five years ago, I don't know if that would have helped Megan. Mm, if helping I her is a, is the word. If you went to say that Queen Charlotte was black, but then how far back of an ancestor does it have to be? to like identify as being mixed or another race or whatever. I mean, there was nine generations between her and that ancestor. How many generations are between her and the current king? So should we be referring to King Charles as mixed race or black as well? I mean, race isn't just appearance. It's not. That is the controversy of Charlotte's, of Charlotte's reputation when it comes to the race, but we also have the shout-out daughters. Yes, I, I love I love this. Uh, she was also accused of abandonment of her husband. So if you can talk us through that. Okay. She's also known, Natalie knows I'm going to rant at this point, she's also known for being not the best mother when it came to her daughters. And that's me being nice. After George descends into madness, as they said, uh, she closed ranks with her daughters, refusing to let them marry or leave home in case it upset their father. The daughters referred to Q as the nunnery, and they were secluded there. Princess Sophie jokingly wrote to her brother, I wonder you don't vote for putting us in a sack and drowning us in the Thames. Poor old wenches as we are, four old cats, a dead weight upon you, old lumber to the country like old clothes. I think that is so sad that she thought that way. It's just it's just horrible what she did. So unlike what you see in Queen the Queen Charlotte Bridgerton. The Bridgerton style, story, yeah. The Bridgerton style. They didn't allow their daughters to marry and they kept them with them. I can see Charlotte wanted to close ranks after George's mental health, health issues and she kept she didn't trust them. She was um, as you said at the beginning, she was in a different country. She didn't have, I mean, she was the head of this country. She didn't really have MD she could trust. Obviously your 
you're going to think your blood you can trust. But these girls wanted to have families, they wanted to marry and have a normal life. Want to live, yeah. Want to live, yeah, Yeah. and have kids. And she just didn't allow them to have a life. Um, I think that is so sad. And it was going to repat again with Victoria. Yes, I mean Victoria. Victoria, she's she a little better. Marry. She let yeah. them marry. She was just very selective. Very selective. <laughs> and then you have hemophilia. <laughs> yes. End of story. Thank you so much for coming to my TED talk. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So the youngest one, Princess Amelia, she died absolutely detesting her mother. She had a heartfelt ring inscribed with "Remember me for her father," which I just love. Um, absolutely nothing for her mother until her father told her, "Come on." You good girl. <laughs> and then after her death, um, George had another episode because it was just too much for him. Um, he never recovered. He never recovered after that. I feel like she does get a lot of the the brunt because George obviously didn't have the awareness that she had. But at the same time, George was supposedly said that he wanted his daughters with him all the time. I think it's maybe both the parents to blame. They should have let them go and be free. Open the the doors of the cage and here you go, fly. <laughs> With the ghost style. They should have exactly. watched Frozen, that's that. They just should have watched They should have watched Frozen. Yes. Right, the last controversy was, I think this is actually really sad and I'm, I, I'm not the biggest Queen Charlotte fan, I'm, I'm really, really not. But she's had some flack over the years about... Um, abandoning him in his mental health crisis. I just think that's so sad because, again, it's one of the things where you're looking at the past with today's standards. Also, if you have an abusive husband, you have to... He was very abusive. No, start locking the door. Yeah. His fault, obviously. Um, but he was, he got violent with her. He was very inappropriate to women when he was having these bouts. I mean, it must have been horrendous, like horrendous for her and his daughters and everybody around them, especially when you don't know what's going on. Yeah. Which they didn't. Well, they still don't. Yeah. No, no, not really. They actually portrayed this really well in the 1994 film. Yes. They, there were a few beautiful scenes when he was coming on to the Countess, Duchess mm-hmm. of Pembroke. He was coming on to her either physically or verbally. And then he even said to Charlotte, yeah, I should learn a few things from her. And you kind of go, excuse me? Excuse me? <laughs> Shut it. Yeah, you say, what now? Yeah, yeah, exactly. No. That's very, very inappropriate. But then when he gets better, it's all, hello, Mrs. King. How yeah. about we lay together for all time's sake? Yeah, I, I do think that's one of the... Yeah, obviously we'll, we'll we'll do one on the actual show, but I do think this is one of the downfalls of the the Bridget and Queen because I don't mm. think they they definitely portrayed them as being like the the horrors that he went through with that doctor, right? And yeah, that was portrayed good. She was shown to be able to handle it better than what she was able to do in real life. Oh yeah, a hundred percent. Like definitely, yeah. and I, I think I think that that was a wee bit of a disservice there because I don't think they showed him being violent and everything else she had to go through, which was really, really sad. Because in the 1994 film, she was too helpless 
than she was in real life. But then yeah. in, the, in the show, in the 2023 show, she was far too kind of in control, mm-hmm. by, especially mm-hmm. by the end, than she was in real life. And you kind of go, no, guys, this is kind of in the middle. It was a middle ground. <laughs> it was the middle ground, you know, the gold medal. But yeah, it's uh, definitely deserves its own kind of away from her kind of um, film or something. Mm-hmm. You know, like those uh, film film from years and years ago, away from her, where the woman forgets her husband. So in in in, in reverse would be him forgetting kind of her, because this would also portray better how she had to live with him not being there. So kind of half widow, half um, not widow, <laughs> wife, <laughs> wife. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> then kind of live a normal life, but then at the same yeah. time, he's not there to do what he's meant to do. So it's sort of, you know, absent. In legally blonde terms, it's, you know, reckless abandonment. Yes. But not voluntary. So. No. <laughs> the next segment uh, we have is called Did You Know? So fun facts about Queen Charlotte. She was, in fact, the first and only Queen Charlotte in the British Isles history. She was also the longest serving female consort of British history. And she was the longest serving consort until uh, Prince Philip broke that record. During her wedding, her jewel encrusted dress kept sliding down, halfway down to her waist. So very Bridget moment, if you ask me. Uh, it was also the hottest night of the year. So um, the 8th of September, 1761, when they married. And yes, she wore the same dress two weeks later for the coronation. I assume that they tailored it a little bit so that during the coronation, she wasn't flashing the congregation. To be oh. fair, she may have put on weight by then because yes. it's not due to severe seasickness. Yes. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Plus, she may have been may may she have been pregnant at that point. I don't know, but definitely she would have been much healthier, more settled, and healthier. Exactly. Yeah. So yes, rewearing gowns. So very much uh, Kate of her time, which is great. Very yep. healthy for the environment. Her mistress of the uh, robes, the keeper of the robes, as she was um, called, uh, Frances Fanny Burney. Uh, later, she became Madame Darbley. There was also the author of Evelina, released in 1771, so one of the first novels. And Evelina is um, believed to be the inspiration, one of the inspirations, for the character Bridget Jones. Yay! Uh, and Lord Orville is sort of, you can see parallels between him and Mark Darcy. There you go. You get from Queen Charlotte to Bridget in very few steps. <laughs> apart, apart from the whole um, gown fiasco, which again is a very Bridget moment. So for <laughs> me personally, and I think Gemma and I discussed this in the past few weeks, uh, this is what makes her very human. So mm. these kind of those moments when you really can picture yourself going through this and you think, yes, I have had those moments when something is sliding off me for whatever reason and you're about to make kind of a spectacle of yourself in the wrong way in public and you're kind of trying to keep it together. So yeah, this is definitely one of those moments, her gown sliding off her. So more Bridget, basically. And we love Bridget. So another wonderful fun fact, the sister of 
Princess Charlotte, <laughs> Christiana, she fell in love with the Duke of Roxburgh, who was visiting her lands when the marriage contract was being drawn up. And they fell in love and they wanted to get married. However, they weren't allowed to, because as a sister of the future queen, she wasn't allowed to uh, marry a British subject. And they both died unmarried, so they never married anyone, which is quite oh. tragic. Is this a British rule or is this a... German rule. So she, uh, Christiana was the German royal. Yeah. And Duke of Roxburgh was in the, uh, in the kind of British party group. Yeah, but is this like the rule? Like the rule, was it a German rule that she couldn't marry a British person? I think it was probably the British, uh, the British side. Yeah. The stupidest rules, honestly. I think so, because then you kind of fast forward a few centuries and you remember Princess Margaret and another equerry. Um, with Peter Townsend and even though it wasn't so much British subject but also yes kind of British subject because he's not of the the status that is good enough and to marry him but he was also the divorcee etc etc et well, yeah it? but another kind of love story of the sister of the queen and the um the query or similar that are not allowed to get married but then of course thankfully Princess Anne got it right. <laughs> she did. She did. She did. She did. I love that scene in The Crown. I love it. I love it. And uh, I just love Anne in general. Absolutely. Yeah. Big, huge fan of Anne. And then we have a similar kind of story between another query and the daughter of Queen Charlotte, Amelia, mm -hmm. the one you spoke about earlier, uh, whose death triggered the last bout of the illness. Uh, that one. So before she died, she wanted to marry Charles Fitzroy. The again, the query many years her senior, but they were forbidden because of his low status and also because they weren't allowed to get married because that was going to upset George. And surprise, surprise, everything upset George at the time. She was signing her kind of letters AFR, Amelia Fitzroy. It's very sad when you think about it, very romantic. And she died not having been granted her wish. So another fun fact is that Charlotte uh, had a daughter-in-law called Caroline of Brunswick, and she had a grandchild called Charlotte. So a lot of Carolines, a lot of Charlottes. And funny story, they're actually derived from the same name, because Caroline is derived from Carl, which is the Latin version of Charles, and Charlotte is derived from the Charlot, which is the French kind of cute nickname for Charles. So that's basically, they're literally first cousins of each other. Then we have the wonderful fact about Queen Charlotte and Marie Antoinette. They were actually pen pals, if you can call them that. They were very friendly with each other. Of course, they felt very different about decadence. They both loved jewels, though. Charlotte built herself a little cottage. She wanted to have a simple cottage to have for picnics and uh, family functions at Kew, which was, by the way, available for visit. It's very cute outside and inside, very quaint. Marie Antoinette did the same. She bought her, uh, she built herself uh, what's called the Queen's Hamlet. But of course, the British monarchy was different from the French monarchy in that the British monarchy had a constitution of some sort at the time, whereas the French monarchy was absolute. So when Marie Antoinette, who was known for her decadence, built herself a simple cottage so she would know how to live as a peasant. They said, "You wanna, you wanna be a peasant? Be a peasant. Uh, we're so we'll, help, we'll help you. We'll help you. We'll help you. Yeah. How about you just give us the crown? Give us the throne." And after the execution of 
Louis XVI and Marie Antoinette, plans for the coronation anniversary of George and Charlotte were cancelled as a mark of respect. Oh, I love that um, they actually were going to house the royal family, unlike George in the 1900s. Yep, both ended the same way. <laughs> yes, it did, to be fair. Their intent was there, though. I like that. The thought was there. The yes, thought it's the there. thought that counts. Another fun fact, uh, Charlotte's ladies-in-waiting went on strike in 1775, complaining they had no time to eat. So George had to pay them off. This happens today. It happens today. You never learn. No. <laughs> With all the strikes that are happening around the country, the tube, the railway. Yep. I mean, that's you know, fine. So, yeah, the ladies uh, in waiting went on strike. That's curious thing to have happened. She was, uh, Charlotte was very musical and she commissioned Mozart. So what is portrayed in the show is real. She did take patronage of Mozart and she took it seriously. And she commissioned uh, some work by him, which resulted in Opus 3, as it's called. And her music master was the son of the famous Bach. So Bach Jr., if you like. And now we have the segment entitled, Where Did You Go Wrong? Legacy and lessons to draw. Where did she go wrong? Obviously, I have to <laughs> mention the fact that she didn't allow any of her daughters to marry. So down the line, there was a scramble of all the dukes to, you know, get rid of their illegal wives and get some legal ones and have babies. That could have been completely unnecessary if she just had, you know, allowed her daughters to marry and have lots of babies of their own. And they would have been happier. And Queen Victoria did it right. You marry off all the offspring and you get really good connections all over Europe and wherever you send your poor children. And then you get hemophilia. Well, that's true. That's true. Yeah. So remember that despite the fact that they all married off and they had lots of cousins in World War One, then they were fighting each other. And enter hemophilia. Just like <laughs> <laughs> we can't forget about that because that literally broke down an empire. Yeah, I think one of the biggest lessons—not lessons, I will lessons here, lessons—and I think this is this is the same as today, by the way, right? So, if you're going to marry into the royal family, you have to be equipped to deal with royalty and what what entails being a royal member. So, when George went out looking for his wife. He wanted somebody who basically did not think. And n- n- no offence to Queen Charlotte, but she wasn't into politics. And by the way, I applaud her. Politics is definitely sinful. But if she was more politically aware, I think it might have been easier for her, especially around the whole Regency. She could have done yeah. a Queen Catherine of Aragon and mm-hmm. she could have mm-hmm. took... I mean, if, if she had... The political skill that Catherine of Aragon had, yeah, she would have been great. And I don't think she would have... <laughs> Catherine the Great. Catherine. Also Catherine the Great. <laughs> also Catherine the Great. Exactly. Also Catherine the Great, yeah. Yeah, well, look what Catherine the Great did. She was so savvy. She was so politically aware. She managed to overthrow a country that was not hers and had a whole population who, again, she knew nothing about. To begin with, and she was a concert at first. But then, yeah, 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 she was a concert. Yeah, she, was, yeah. she managed to have the whole of Russia absolutely adore her. So 
Yeah, she she's with him. And yeah. this is it's the same today. Like I feel if if Meghan Markle had just been, you know, have just googled Harry, maybe, <laughs> maybe. We had to Google the national anthem. Yes, that's that's. While she was googling the national anthem, she probably mm. should have googled what entails being a royal person. Hi, Kate. How's it going? Can you tell me some? Give me some tips. Paparazzi. How's it going? Pretty much. No. I, I would not want to be royal. I just uh, don't have the patience. Yeah. I just like <laughs> reading about them. Yeah, I just like reading about them and criticizing them. To be honest. <laughs> <laughs> Where did they go wrong? Uh, not that I could do better, but I know. But it is. It's a life that you have to. It's not for everybody, and I. I think George. George should have listened to the feminists of the time. Period. <laughs> Let the women think. Legacy wise, she was the one that introduced the Christmas tree to Britain. Yeah. Even though we say, or a lot of people think it was Prince Albert the consort of Queen Victoria. It was actually Queen Charlotte. He just took it up a notch. And then, obviously, in the 20th century, Coca-Cola took over. Yep. Who needs the royals when you have Coca-Cola? Well, it's now Coca-Cola is doing all the ads for Christmas. Now we can't imagine Christmas without without it. By the way, Coca-Cola is not sponsoring this podcast, just so you know, guys. But if you want to, that's fine. Adding to what you said earlier, so when he was choosing her for the lack of political aspects about her character, mm. oh, philosophy, no. Um, it was literally like royal Tinder. Yeah. Just- he was just swiping left on anyone who had anything kind of special about them. And then we went, nothing special, but this is similar to me. Okay, let's swipe right. Oh, a match. Great. <laughs> so, so many kilometers away, but okay, I'll send a party. Duke of Rosberg, do you want to go there? Great. Don't fall in love. Okay, I can't promise. All right, fine. <laughs> yeah. Oops. <laughs> Oops. Oops. Tinder for the Georgians. Her biggest legacy is her love for charity. Um, she was known as being the Queen of Charity, in my opinion. She founded orphanages and women's hospitals for expecting mothers. Queen Charlotte and Chelsea Hospital, which is not in Chelsea. In Hammersmith? It's in Hammersmith. It's still open today. It was open in 1739 and she took over in 1809. And there's a Queen's, Queen's Ball was a big thing mm-hmm. that kept it going. Queen Charlotte Ball. It's still open today and it is one of the oldest, if not the oldest, maternity hospitals in Europe, which yeah. I think is just amazing. She was a big gambler, but mm-hmm. all her winnings went to charity. Which, yay. Maybe Marie Antoinette should have listened to her when it came to that. A little bit. I she think, was a big gambler. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they could have taught each other a few things. They really yeah. should have. Uh, she was also known to give away jewels to people who needed it, which I just think is lovely. So, the poor people. Everybody except her. <laughs> so that's who needed it. Yeah, so she loved jewels, but also she was uh, kind of willing to give them away. And she, I think, was known to pull a diamond from a stomacher or something and give it to a family or something who was kind of yeah, in need of financial assistance as opposed to Marie Antoinette's The Affair of the Necklace. Mm. Which was, even if it was a conspiracy against her, it was easy to believe in. Yeah. 
because of kind of the opposite evidence for such a long time. Now we have a wee segment called Somewhere to Remember You By. So Charlotte, North Carolina, named after Charlotte, and it's uh, a year before the American War of Independence broke out. So that was quite awkward once it was established. They also have the statue and the portrait of her in Charlotte, North Carolina. In fact, it was actually mentioned by Charlotte York and Sex in the City. Was it? Yeah. Remember when they were trying to adopt a baby and the, mm-hmm. pa- the prospective parents were from Charlotte, North Carolina? So that's a good sign. So. Oh, right. Okay. Then we have the Queen Charlotte's Islands in the Pacific. Uh, it's part of the province of British Columbia. Uh, we have Charlotte Square in Edinburgh. So Gemma is going to do some tourism <laughs> in Edinburgh. Although she can't drive there anymore, it's yeah, established. Drive, yeah, but but so, but, but yeah. you know, well, we'll take a train. We'll take a train. We'll take a train. So uh, many actually streets in the UK named after Charlotte. Uh, usually, as, as I've noticed, one next to a street or a square named after George, as is the case in Charlotte. Uh, Charlotte just never Edinburgh. No, because it it's always kind of part of Georgian built. Yeah, and then need to name the streets and the avenues, whatever, after those two people or similar. Yeah. Then, of course, we have the actual places they've contributed to. For example, Queen Charlotte's Cottage in Kew, which again is available for a visit. The Kew Palace itself, where Charlotte has died in 1818. And just a side note, listeners, the Kew Palace that you will visit is not the original Kew Palace as it was called, because back in the day, the, the the building that remains and the one you you have you have access to, was called Dutch House, and the Q Palace itself was called the White House. Funny that, and it was kind of across the street, if you like, but it was knocked down by George after one of his bouts because he had suffered so much in there. He knocked it down, despite the happy family memories, but also had all the. Nasty things the doctors did to him, so he knocked it down. But the house where the family had resided and the one where the princesses were held and the one where Amelia died and the one where Charlotte died, that's the Kew Palace that you will visit, the former Dutch house. Uh, Then you have the Frogmore Cottage uh, that she established in Windsor. You have the Windsor Castle, where uh, Charlotte and George spent a lot of of their time together and apart. Buckingham Palace, which at that time was called the Queen's House. So he did, as the show presents, he did buy it for her. And at some point it would be called Buckingham House uh, by the time Victoria ascends the throne. And later on, Buckingham Palace. And of course, now we have Blenheim Palace as being associated with her because that was playing Buckingham Palace in the new um Netflix show and Victoria as well sorry yes so Blenheim Palace actually was used for many 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 films including but not limited to Elsinore in uh Kenneth Branagh's Hamlet it also was the birthplace lest we forget of Winston Churchill hence the Blenheim bouquet the perfume by Ben Halligans and it was filmed as again Buckingham Palace or house in the young Victoria, and of course, in now Queen Charlotte Bridgerton's story. And actually, I need to add that in the young Victoria, the Emily Blunt film, poor Blenheim Palace was used 
left, right, and center because it was used as Buckingham Palace, but also as the residence of Uncle Leopold. You can recognize it literally from the back, from the front, from the sides. <laughs> so we have the rights. We might as well do it. Okay, Leo, come here. So um, lots of places associated with the historical Charlotte and with the fictional Charlotte, which I think bears mentioning as well. And now we have, lend me your ears, edutainment. So if you want to know more about Charlotte, there are many books that Catherine Curzon has written about the Georgians in general and about Charlotte in particular. Uh, Janice Barlow wrote a wonderful book about the Hanoverian dynasty, which Gemma is currently going through. It's a mission of a book, but actually it's really well written and it's easy to follow. There you go. I like that. It has ever done it. Has uh, literally has all the Georgians, literally. <laughs> I need I need to get on that, but I need to get through Andrew Roberts' book first, and that was, that is a very long book. I bought mm. it on Kindle, and it's one of those books where you read it, you can read it for half an hour, and flip through so many pages, and it may on kind of minute thirty one change the percentage. This is why you need a physical book. I mean, me and Natalie argue over this constantly. I'm a physical book person. I love both, but <laughs> a lot of the times it's easier. Plus, when you don't have a proper lampshade, it's really easier to go with Kindle. <laughs> but yeah, some books I have on Kindle. Some, as you see, I, I have plenty of actual books. Yes. Yeah, exhibit A. Andrew Roberts' bio of George III includes the latest research, because as we know, when was the year? A few years ago, 2015, 2016, the late Queen released the Georgian paper archive at Windsor. So the biographers were able to read private papers never before, never seen before. So that kind of changed a little bit of the outlook on the Georgians, especially George III. And the good news is that that research went into the performance of George III in the latest Netflix show. So that was done with this new research in mind. Jeremy Black has also written several books about the family and George in particular. So The Last King of America, he wrote, and The Hanoverians. Then we have the Rex Factor podcast, uh, which has released the episode on George III, I think, in two parts. And at mm -hmm. some point, as Gemma and I were saying, probably next year, they're going to release the episode on Queen Charlotte because they're doing several seasons. Uh, they were huge fans of Rex Factor. They did the English monarchs and they did the Scottish monarchs and they do the consorts. Yep. So they're currently finishing the Tudor concerts, so they still have all the stewards to go through. And then they're going to do Georgians. Then you have historical palaces that have uh, their own podcast channel, and they have some fantastic episodes on the Georges as well. Of course, Horrible Histories is a great source of learning, was definitely yes. inspirational for Gemma and I. So the last three years we've been reading up on anything Georgian we could lay our hands on. Betwixt the Sheets podcast also released an episode on Queen Charlotte with an interview with the author Catherine Curzon. Again, great researcher and author. And currently we have two exhibitions in London that are phenomenally relevant, let's put it that way. So one of them is Style and Society, Dressing the Georgians, and literally Charlotte is on the cover of that exhibition. And it's in Buckingham Palace, the Queen's Gallery. Many, many paintings, uh, many gowns, many accessories, basically why Georgians dressed the way they did. 
And yes, lots and lots and lots of Charlotte, the original paintings by your Thomas um, Gainsborough, Joshua Reynolds, etc. With her, together with the kids, without the kids, (laughs) all of it. Hashtag family. And mm-hmm. another exhibition is at Kensington Palace, so a bit a bit further away, but uh, all is it within uh, central London, across the Hyde Park. Over there, we have Crown to Couture. This one has half Georgian outfits and costumes and half costumes from the red carpet that have been inspired by the Georgian fashion. So you have gowns that have been worn by... I think I made a reel about this on Reign of London, TikTok and Instagram. So check it out. I think it's the latest one there. So you have gowns worn by Billie Eilish, Billie Porter, all the Billies. <laughs> um, Nicola Coughlin, potentially Taylor Swift, I think. Definitely Phoebe Waller-Bridge, Katy Perry, all that you can imagine. Even Audrey Hepburn, the one she won an Oscar in, is there. Oh my God, really? Yes. Also okay. gowns worn by Emma Watson, the, her kind of, as I call them, recycling dresses, kind of making a statement, making kind of history, literally on the red carpet for environmental purposes. Great exhibition, book in advance and definitely go if you can. So yeah, that's a lot of Georgian stuff happening in London now. And yes, of course, the walking tour with me down the mall where we talk Georgian Victorian and Windsor Monarchs is also available. And now we have the pop quiz. Songs that should not be listened to. By Charlotte. By Charlotte. As it was. By Harry Styles. Have I just seen? <laughs> yes, you have. In oh Wales. I, did, I seen him in Wales. And you asked him, please don't sing as it was. Did he sing as it was? He did sing as it was. There you go. As it was. Yes, you should not be listening to that song because it would remind her of her happy times with George and she would get very upset. Yes. But to be fair, she probably was listening to that. She would have been listening to that if she had a chance, if she renewed her Spotify subscription on time. I feel like she would have because it's it's one of the songs that, you know, they make you, you know, the songs you listen to, that you know, it's going to make you sad, but you just, yeah, it's like... You just have to. Yeah. Yes. One of the songs. Right. Who would have been our most dramatic dinner guest? Emmeline Pankhurst. Because one of them would have been a feminist and a suffragette. The other one... Would have locked up her daughters. No, I'm looking. <laughs> None of those things. I don't, don't think they would get along much. No, because, I mean, she wasn't political for a start. And she wasn't massive with women's rights. She wasn't vocal about it, but anyway... And, you know, one thing we didn't mention, during the strike of her ladies in waiting, she had one of her uh, ladies steal something from her and oh, yeah. she sent them to be a slave. So, you know. <laughs> she made sure that the sentence was commuted to transportation Slavery. for life. Transportation for life. And the woman got away, by the way, yes, at the one. end. Yeah. I hope she kept the jewels. I don't think so. I don't think so. I, really I don't, don't think so. so. Mm. Charlotte, she would be the poster girl for Misery Loves Company. Yep. She liked to keep her daughters with her in her misery, just like Queen yep. Victoria. Film not to watch. We said the notebook, didn't we? Yes, notebook. Yeah. Yeah. She would get very upset and also it would get too close to home. Yes, definitely. Yeah. Books not to read. Mommy said- dearest. Yes. 
because she would just get tips. She's a therapist, that's for sure. And then we thought to bring the Georgian queens into this century. We thought, who, who would they be? Who would they be in pop culture? And we thought, obviously, Sex in the City. Because, and not not the new Sex in the City, we were going old school. Yes, the good, the good kind. Yeah. The good kind, the good kind. Just imagine our Georgian queens as Sex in the City characters. I always start off with Charlotte, obviously, I think. And Charlotte. funny, Charlotte was Charlotte. <laughs> Charlotte was yeah. Charlotte. We definitely have to say that Charlotte was Charlotte. She was pretty, she was very traditional. Domestic. Domestic. I, I think, I think. Mother. 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 Who had issues. She has issues in the new season. Uh, unlike Charlotte of York, uh, of York, Charlotte York, <laughs> Charlotte York, um, our Charlotte, you know, Sophie Charlotte of Mecklenburg Charlotte, um, never had problems with fertility. Oh no, she didn't. No. But no. apart from that, Charlotte is literally Charlotte. And then we have Sophia Dorothea, wife of George I, is definitely a Carrie. And we have Caroline of Ansbach, the wife of George II, the progressive thinking. Well-educated. Well-educated, almost a career politician Mm -hmm. in her own right. Definitely definitely a Miranda. Yeah. And it's funny how, remember those videos during lockdown we watched? Because Miranda is the only one as a character that aged very well. Mm-hmm. That we're all Miranda in 2020 or whatever it was called, the video. And definitely that's Caroline of Ansbach, yeah. which she deserves her own. I mean, we said this about everyone almost and every event, everything that happened in British history to the end, to the Romans probably and beyond. But she definitely deserves her own Netflix show, Caroline of Ansbach, 100%. Yeah, definitely. And then, obviously, my favourite Samantha. <laughs> and my favourite Georgian Queen. I would say she's my favourite, actually. Caroline of Ansbach is my favourite. But she's my second favourite. The like other Caroline? Because there are two Carolines, people! <laughs> Caroline of Brunswick, who was the wife... Oh, God bless her. The wife of George IV. <laughs> And just like her dear Samantha, she had a very... She accidentally slept with a lot of people. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. So she was very Samantha. Yes. Very Samantha. That brings us to the end of the pop quiz. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of If It Ain't Baroque Podcast. Please like, subscribe and share with your friends. And with Gemma and myself, you can find us on social media. The handle is at If It Ain't Baroque Podcast. The website is If It Ain't Baroque.art. If you'd like to join me on my walking tours, please check out reignoflondon.com. That's R E I G N. And thank you so much and see you next time.